Hello, creative friends. Welcome back to the Do It For The Process podcast. I'm so happy you're with me today. And then I get the honor of narrating you through whatever you're working on today. Maybe you're in the studio, maybe you're driving, whatever you're doing. Uh, welcome. This is your space to think about creativity and your creative business. If you have one, which if you do, today's podcast is going to be very applicable, very, very helpful and practical. Um, and it's your space just to feel encouraged as you progress in your creative work and in your creative vision and grow this beautiful vision into something that is impactful and meaningful to yourself and to those around you. Today, we're going to talk about play, but also sustainability and profitability and growing something that feels playful and exciting and adventurous into something that can also be financially sustainable, emotionally and physically safe and sustainable, and can just be um, a part of your life that you learn to depend on and you learn to rely on for more than just play. So when I say play, If you've been here for a little while, we've been focusing on creative freedom and creative expression and creative play quite a lot recently. And the shadow side to those things is burnout and feeling a little bit stuck and feeling a little bit trapped. Um, But there's this weird balance that has to happen when your creative work is also some form of your livelihood, whether it's your full income, whether it's supplemental income, whether it's just something that happens randomly and it's kind of like bonus, surprise, blessings from the universe. Um, Regardless of your scale, like where you are in your business, the way that your your creative work should feel is always in my opinion it should always feel alive and playful and energetically just like ah you want to do this you want to go there you want to express yourself in this certain way a lot of pleasure a lot of desire a lot of want that isn't always how it feels to be an adult though right like usually being an adult is full of emotions like requirement and need and uh maybe even some lack sometimes and those energies do not get along very well as we probably know you're probably like yeah i know i'm like i'm trying that and it's uh it's hard this is a lot of what i hear from members of my course or my membership where they love creating this is the thing that brings them the most pleasure the most joy but now when you begin to grow a business around your creative work it's this very delicate balance between the two because you don't want to lose the energy of the freedom and the pleasure but you also have to make money and you have to make this thing successful and sustainable in some way so we're going to talk about that today before we dive into that though hello i didn't even introduce myself if you're new here I'm Emily Jeffords. It is so sweet to be with you in this space. I love talking with you. I love this podcast medium. There's a lot of episodes for you to listen to if you need more. If you're like, oh my gosh, what? This is like a little goldmine of information. Yes, it is. And there's more for you in this podcast feed. Um, I think we have like 80 something episodes. So dive in. There's a lot here for you. And they're very practical because I am an artist and someone that loves creativity and freedom and play and expression. And I love to paint. I love to photograph. uh, I love to cook. I love to just all kinds of things, travel and explore and just feel a sense of wonder and freedom. But I also love it when things are grounded and safe and secure. Security matters a lot to me. And growing a business around my creative work and making sure that I still have that, my innate need of feeling secure, 
Uh, that's been a delicate challenge. And if you're a creative entrepreneur, you're probably very, very well aware aware of what that challenge feels like inside of your body. Um, I think we're very similar in that way. So if you resonate with that, that struggle, stay tuned. We're going to talk about that today. This is all stemming from an Instagram comment from Jennifer Marie. Jennifer Marie Painting is their, their handle. And Jennifer says, how have you handled the different seasons of your life while maintaining your business? Whew. I love this because as a creative, <laughs> we have the blessing and the curse of usually you were kind of born this way. Usually you were a creative kid. You were the one that was drawing and crafting and inventing and programming and sewing and whatever your thing was when you were a kid. Mine was clay and book binding and baking and music, piano and violin in particular, choir, all kinds of expressions. You probably have this in you, right? Which means that it has to be in you in some kind of healthy capacity for your whole life. You have to find a way of making this part of yourself alive and well for your whole life, which means that it can be delightful when you're a kid because you have the time and the energy and the ability to just play and to create with this freedom. But then as you grow, a little bit of ego sneaks in and now the things that you create have to look a certain way and have to be perceived a certain way and it just becomes a little bit different. And then the more you get into it, the more you're like, okay, this is now an income. Like I can make, I can make money with my work. Okay, let's go. And then it shifts even more. And now your work is being perceived and seen on a larger scale. It has to see you through different phases of your life. So college, early adulthood, maybe you become a parent, maybe you have a busy career, maybe you go back to school, maybe you move, maybe you your kids leave the home, maybe like there's just so many shifts in our life and creativity if, if it is inside of you for all of it, which it doesn't have to be the first and primary thing that you devote your energy to for your whole life. I think it can kind of ebb and flow and creativity is so generous and waits for us and we'll come back to you when you need it, but it has to be maintained and sustained and given life and given love throughout your whole life in some form. Um, this is so weird I have a story for you. <laughs> this is so strange. I am living in a home right now that I used to live next door to. So I used to be my own neighbor <laughs> years and years and years ago, um, 13, 14 years ago. I lived in the house that's now across the street from me. And it's a beautiful home and I loved it very much, but we moved away and whole like all, a bunch of life happened in, in between. I moved back into this neighborhood just about a year ago and into the home of the woman that I'm going to talk about today. So I feel her around me quite a lot. Um, She was an artist. Her paintings are in the basement. I never saw them when I was her neighbor, but now that I live in her house, I can see them. And it's kind of surreal and sweet and very, it feels like a really big honor. Um, But I met her when she was my neighbor, obviously, and we kind of bonded over creativity. But I was very naive and young. (laughs) And... 
she was much older than me and had grown children and had just lived and had been through, you know, she lived a whole life. I was starting out. I had a lot of, I just graduated from art school. I was young and tenacious and, you know, had my head too big on my shoulders. And we would talk about creativity and I'd be like, oh, you're a painter. That's so great. Let me see your work. And like, how, you know, do you have a studio? And just asking her questions about her process. And she told me something that irritated me for years. She was like, oh no, I don't paint. I'm like, oh, but you're a watercolor painter. And she is. Having seen her work now, you know, living in her house and seeing the work that's still in her basement, her old basement, um, she is a phenomenal painter. (laughs) But she didn't devote the time and energy to it that I thought you had to as someone that claimed to be an artist. In my mind, being an artist meant that you had to do the work. And this is in the era of, um, and it's a valid era, but in the era of the 10,000 hours, um, you know, mentality, the Seth Godin do the work mentality, it's only good if it ships, like this very (sighs) valid, I'm not going to say it's not valid because there's a lot of validity to this idea of thinking, but this very ego driven, it only has value if it's happening now. And if someone is seeing it and giving it value, I've rewritten a lot of this because I don't think that's at all healthy for creatives to live in that mindset. And I had to kind of shed that over the past few years since I met her and had that awakening when she was like, oh no, I don't paint now. I I haven't painted for about 20 years or 15 years. And I'm like, you're not an artist. And I just kind of got resentful because I was working so hard on my art. And like I said, there's truth to both sides. Like there's a lot of truth to both sides and they're both valid, but there's something very, very beautiful about trusting that your creative work is going to see you through your life, which means that it can ebb and flow. It can have seasons where it's the most important thing and the time, the thing that you spend all of your time doing. And there can be seasons where it waits for you and it's patient and it's still who you are. It's still in you. It's still living and breathing and thriving within you, but something else, maybe other focuses in life can, you know, be the dominant thing that you spend your energy on right now. That's so generous. So if you're in that season, uh, please don't hear anything that I say today as belittling that season that you're in, please. I am going to talk quite a bit today about how to make your creative work something that can be your top priority and can be sustainable even through seasons of life. Since I began my creative career, I had three babies over the course of, um, I guess, eight years nine years and moved and shifted all of my entire life and grew a business from absolutely nothing into what it is today. So I've, I've watched this happen in my own life. It's been a massive, beautiful part of my life to let creativity carry me through the challenges of life. And I talk more about my story if you want to listen to past episodes about that, but letting it carry me through, oh gosh, like everything, everything from absolute poverty to abundance, to, um, shifting everything in my personal life to allowing myself to travel and letting creativity be the fuel that 
thrives or lets everything else thrive and lets everything else succeed. So that has been amazing. And if you want to fall into that kind of flow, this episode is going to be very, very helpful and very practical. We're going to talk about the balance between play and sustainability. There's a very delicate balance that most artists need to find between creative freedom and emotional safety, which often includes financial security. Feeling tapped out leads to burnout. Feeling ungrounded and vulnerable leads to financial insecurity. And it's this weird and very delicate ecosystem that we have to create between our vulnerable and expressive creative work and this financial safety that we all need to live in um, a capitalist world and in a world that's built on productivity and you know, kind of built on um, that output back to that that kind of sour feeling that I felt when she was like, oh no, I don't, I don't paint. Um, that's what I was pushing up against was the fact that we as creatives have to live in this output driven, ego driven capitalist world. And that can feel really like kind of off for some, like some seasons of your creative energy that can feel a little bit abrasive. So let's talk about how to make this as smooth as possible and as congruent and as gentle as possible and as exciting as possible. Also, not just even like, ah, oh, let's be peaceful with this. Like it can be so fun to grow a creative business. I don't want you to miss mishear me in this at all. It is the most fun I've ever had. It's so exciting. It's so empowering. You feel so alive and free. And it feels like the thing that lets you feel alive and free is your creative work. I mean, come on on. That is the best job in the whole world, like hands down, no doubt about it. Um, So let's dive into this today. We talked about play last time. We talked about how to kind of flow and feel yourself coming alive in the studio or in your creative practice, how to just like, oh, let yourself like be excited and to stop caring so much about the results to let your work be bad, to let your work be good, to let your work just be, just let it be. Um, So go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. We need to talk more about play as adults who are living in a world that doesn't often uh, prioritize or focus on the benefits of play and the importance of play, especially as a creative. Oh, yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of tip a little bit into letting your play also be sustainable. When I say sustainable, I mean, if you depend on your creative work for some kind of results, this could be financial results. It could be, um, you want your work to be seen in a certain way. Like you want it to be seen in a museum someday, or you want to go to a certain show, or you want to license your work with a certain brand. Um, That takes a certain level of sustainability and groundedness that play has to be a little bit reined in to achieve. So how can you both play and make sure that you still have an income that's consistent and a certain dollar amount per month? Like, how do you do these both? Like, literally how? I, well, I do know because I've been doing it for a long time, but um, it's not necessarily something that we're taught as, you know, people that go to art school or... Um, it's just hard. It's hard. Let's just be real. It's hard. And, and if you're not given these tools, then it can be incredibly overwhelming and challenging, which is why I've spent a lot of my energy giving my 
resources and knowledge and things that I've just learned by doing it and by watching and being someone that is very open to learning and to being wrong consistently and out loud. And in that process, it also means you get a lot of things right because you're just an open book that's willing to learn and willing to be a receiver of other people's wisdom and of experiences and of trying things and not letting my ego get me too tied up in the results of things. So that's why I've given so much of my energy to other creatives in my membership in the course that I'm offering again this fall. I'm so excited about it. It's called Making Art Work. And in that course, it's a nine week course. In that course, we dive into every single component of of growing and running a thriving creative studio, whether you are a painter or a poet or a bookmaker or a stamp designer or a surface pattern designer, anything, any creative output that you want to see grow in the world and be financially viable in the world. We discuss um, exactly how to do that from the nitty gritty things that you need to the broad, this is your foundation. Um, All of it is inside that course and it is life changing. Um, Doors open at the end of August. I strongly recommend that you check it out and that you join us. Okay, back to the question from Jennifer. How have you handled the different seasons of your life while maintaining your business? Let's talk about sustainability. I'm going to offer you one, two, three, four, five, six different things to consider and to think about as you work to grow your play and make your business also sustainable. Um, This is going to be very business focused. So if you're just in the phase that I call the emerging artist phase, where you are considering starting a business, you're focused on... Uh, growing in your creative output, you're, you're working on developing your style and on just like figuring out who you are and what you want to do. Definitely keep listening. I'm going to talk to that next phase a little bit more specifically though, where you know that you have a business, you know that you have something that you're selling to the world, you know that you can make this sustainable, you know your products. Um, but now we're trying to figure out how to actually, you know, really, really do this. So If you, again, if you're in that emerging artist phase, um, listen and learn. This is going to be an amazing podcast as you begin to just direct your course for that next phase. And if you want more, more insight on the phases that I'm talking about, I created this beautiful book called The Artist's Path to Success. I recommend you go download it. It's on my website. I'll put a link to it down below in the show notes. It's a really, really beautiful workbook and um, just a really thoughtful booklet that you can dive into and learn about your phase that you're currently in. We talk about the struggles, the milestones, there's a recommended reading list, um, things to look out for, things to focus on for each phase, and recommendations if you're ready to step into that next phase, what you should be working on, where your your energy should go, um, and just kind of like what you need to invest in next. So that is really, really helpful, and I think it'll be encouraging to you because that is why I wrote it. Okay, let's dive into sustainability. One thing that I recommend if you are really enjoying your play, if you've kind of honed in on that and that's thriving, the next thing you need to think about is 
can you create a sales flow that works for your magic? So if you're creating and it's feeling good and it's feeling vibey, this is number one, by the way, creating a sales flow that works for your magic, number one. Um, and what I mean by that is you are able to create in a way that feels very alive to you. Let's, I'll use my example of painting. Right now I'm working on a body of work. It's so much fun. I'm loving it so much. It's blue and white and botanical and just makes me so happy. I'm creating this body of work. I feel alive. I want to go work on it. There's a good vibe, a good energy there. What I mean by creating a sales flow that works for your magic is think about your work as energetic pushes. So you have this phase of creation and you're spending your time and energy creating, 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 and then you're going to go to sell that work. Um, I call this the collection launch model. There's podcasts about that. If you'd like to, you know, go dive into that. If you are in making art work, we will talk about this. I'll give you step-by-step -step exact um, things to do all along the entire path in a very clear and detailed outline. But generally, you spend energy creating the work and then you sell the work. You create the work and then you sell the work. And this gives you time to focus and, and energetically spend, you know, your your time and your resources and you know you only have so much time and energy in a day let's be real i have three children i have like an hour <laughs> and if i feel scattered and if i feel like i'm kind of all over the place for that that let's say hour of productivity or creative expression in a day i'm gonna waste it i need to turn off slack um so how can you create in a way that offers you the creative freedom that you want and the sales flow that you need to make your business sustainable. So for me in the past, this has looked like doing four launches of collections a year, um, two product drops that weren't collections and offering mentorships or consultations. Um, that's a really good example from 2017 when I was offering that as my business model. In 2015, I offered um, a lot of commissions and that gave me that, that energetic, like, okay, I know that I have income coming in. I know that I have this uh, financial stability that I needed to feel safe at that point in my life. So create a sales flow that works for your magic. If you are kind of still drawing a blank on what this feels like for you, I would recommend, this is getting you a little peek into making art work. It's getting a little bit more nerdy than I was expecting to do in this podcast episode, but I'm going to go for it. Um, I would recommend that you write down a list of all the products that you offer or that you intend to offer in the next six months. And then write down a, a simple marketing plan of when these products are going to be marketed and released. If they're evergreen, meaning you sell them all the time, when are you going to focus on marketing these products? Because marketing is something that takes energy and it takes a lot of creativity and you have to do it consistently. Um, so just kind of think through that. If that looks like creating collections, how many collections can you reasonably and healthfully create in a year? I used to think that I could create 12, one a month <laughs> and yes, but I can't do them in the way that I want to with the like level of finesse that I want to. So four worked very, very well for me at, at certain points in my life. Two works well for me now. Um, maybe next year I'll do three or four, but just kind of flow with what feels good, what you have capacity for now, because you are a human. And that is the most important thing for me to 
recommend like just don't lose your humanity in all of this because you are a feeling and sensing creative entrepreneur which means your humanity is deeply important okay the next thing is to hire people who are different from you and yes even if you're just beginning you can absolutely hire people that are going to help you and support you this could be a contractor you don't have to you know bring someone on salary you don't have to set up an entire corporation with an organizational chart and an HR department. No, you can just have like a person who helps you with your inbox. If that's stressing you out and taking your energy and putting it in places that it does not belong, then hire somebody to help out with that thing. It could also be um, as simple as one of the first things that I began to hire, (laughs) this is so silly, but I began to think of my grocery delivery as hiring someone because it was, I'm hiring someone to shop for me. Cause I, at that point had two children and it was just, it took so long and I was so tired by the end of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to like think of this as my first employee because they were my first employee. And whenever I clicked order on that grocery order, I was very intentional about being like, okay, my employee is working right now. That means I'm also going to work right now because I'm going to use this time wisely and well. And it was genius. I would get so much done in that hour and a half. It would take them to shop for my groceries instead of me going there and getting myself all worn out and my kids all worn out. Um, it just worked very well for me. So you can get creative with how you think about this, but hire people who are different from you. So don't hire someone that has the same strengths as you or the same. I would even go as far as to look at their human design or their, Enneagram number or their whatever metric works for you, whether it's a Myers-Briggs or their their astrology, like their chart, or find someone that's going to compliment you um, and compliment you fairly effortlessly. So when I look at hiring someone that's going to be someone that's working very closely with me, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm learning that having a manifesting generator on my team can be absolute magic because they create magic and they have the best ideas and they just generate these like incredible visions. But if we're all manifesting generators on my team, we're just going to be like, this idea and this idea, and they're all going to be the best ideas in the whole world. I guarantee you. But we need some people that actually enjoy getting ideas done and sustaining them and making systems and feeling confident that they're um, doing their best and that their systems are working. And just that sustaining we got this energy is so reassuring and so beautiful. So if you have someone that you're considering hiring, again, this is for those of you that are running businesses, hire someone that is different from you and will support you and will love their job because you're offering them such a fun place to work and such a fun space to explore their creativity and their problem solving while still getting to work within their strengths. That's incredible. Um, and like I said, it can be as simple as hiring someone to clear out your inbox for you. And that can be a contractor. It does not have to be a full-time employee, but having support is so life-giving. It just lets you breathe. And I love, I love breathing. (laughs) Okay. My third, uh, so we've done create a sales flow that works for your magic, hire people that are different from you. And now number three is build in various revenue streams. So if you're a painter, you sell original paintings 
Now, can you also sell prints? That's a various revenue stream. It's a different revenue stream. Can you now offer watercolor workshops or plain air painting classes or resource guides that you sell for $10 that outline your favorite art supplies? Those are different revenue streams. The more revenue streams you can build that don't just take your energy away and, you know, not provide any revenue in return, the more that you can build that are profitable, the more legs you have to stand on. So if you think of a table or like a surface, if there's one leg supporting that surface, you can balance it, it can work. But if there's any like rumbling or like someone walks too hard in the room, it's going to fall over, right? It's going to definitely fall over. If you have two legs, you're doing a little bit better. Three, you're doing pretty good. You've got this. You can definitely have a three-legged table. Um, Four, five, six. The more legs you have, the more you are creating a really firm and solid foundation. So um, I recommend building in as many various revenue streams as possible because your business is going to be healthier and stronger and more supported. Now, my caveat for this is you only have so much energy. I've said that like a thousand times because it's very, very true. Um, The more legs you build onto your table, the more revenue streams that you create, the more you have to maintain and market and nurture and keep up to date. So I don't recommend spreading yourself very thin, but four or five different products that you offer is a really great place to begin. At least at least offer three. So let's say you're a painter, you can offer your paintings, you can offer prints, you can offer note cards. You can offer paintings, you can offer note cards, you can offer workshops. So kind of think through like what excites you, what do you enjoy, and then go from there. Again, this is getting very much into the making artwork concept. So if you are like, oh my gosh, I'm on fire. This sounds amazing. We have an entire module about growing the sustainability and the profitability of your business. So one whole week we focus on really making sure that your business is um, established and firm in its foundation and that it's going to succeed by offering uh, different products that align with your vision and your highest work and the things that you want out of your life and out of your business. So we definitely talk more about that and I give you a ton of ideas for things that you could easily do as a creative with some passion and some, you know, some like excitement behind it. Again, that one goes back to the play because when you offer new things, you get to play with new things. So that feels very exciting to me to offer new products or, or different um, retreats or workshops or courses, or just, it just feels fun for me. So I love doing things that feel fun. Um, Number four is only say yes to projects that inspire you even if they inspire you in less conventional ways. So only say yes when something feels good and feels inspiring. Um, And I, I wrote that last part, even if they inspire you in less conventional ways, because you might be inspired because this thing that you're like, eh, I don't know. I don't like painting pet portraits, but I do like making money. That's inspiring me right now. So kind of keep track of like where the inspiration is really coming from, because if it's not a, uh, a true inspiration, I, w- I would say that making money is something that can be inspiring, but for most artists, that's not quite enough to make it sustainably inspiring, but you can say yes to something that just makes money. That's okay. I've done that before many times. You can just be like, Hey, I need to pay for my rent and groceries. So I'm going to say yes, it's totally fine. 
Um, on that note, number five, are we up to five? Let's, let me just read them out. Number one, create a sales flow that works for your magic. Number two, hire people that are different from you. Number three, build in various revenue streams. Number four, only say yes to projects that inspire you. And number five, yes, is to keep a side hustle. A side hustle could be a day job. It could be um, something that you do for extra income. This is especially true if you're in that that first step of beginning to build your business. If you're already established, you probably don't need a side hustle, although you could think of different parts of your businesses as your side hustle. That's valid. Um, but there is nothing wrong with working a typical nine to five job or working at a coffee shop or being a receptionist at your doctor's office or being a doctor and also wanting to be a painter or an artist, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having a job. Please hear me. Um, I always recommend when people are like kind of grappling with this, this balance of wanting their creativity to be their source of income. And also it's scary it's honestly scary to rely on your creativity to be your primary income and you can totally do it. I'm proof of that. There are thousands of artists that are proof of that, but it's scary still. If that doesn't feel good in your body and that's going to feel like you have to lock up your creativity in some way, there is something so freeing about letting go of that ego of being certain that your creativity is only valid if it's your primary source of your income. That's silly. Just let go of that. Let it go. Let your creativity be a place where you play and you can also make money there. Beautiful. But if your if your job is the thing funding your create your creative work, then think of it like the patron for your work. This this job that you have is now the patron for your art business, for your creative business, for the thing that really matters in your life. And when you're gone and they write your biography, um, a hundred years from now, they're going to make note of the thing that really, really matters in your life. And that is your creative work. Of course, the fact that you had a job that funded that creative work, that's fine. That's honestly a very, um, what's sort of looking for valiant. Is that a word? <laughs> um, brave and wonderful and heroic thing to do. Um, because it lets you continue creating. Versus if you try to jump too quickly into just being a full-time creative entrepreneur, you might also jump into a lot of overwhelm and possibly burnout, and therefore you won't create in the same way that you should be creating. So I hope that offers you some freedom if you're if you're in that phase of being like, oh, I should stop this job. I, I'm not being serious enough with my art. I need to just make this my only income, my only my only source of, of living. No, you don't have to do that at all. You can be someone that focuses, like your primary your primary thing in your life can be your creative work, even if it isn't the thing that has the most time or the most, uh, the most of your energy. Maybe you have a job that is your bread and butter. Awesome. Keep it up. I have nothing against that whatsoever. My last thing that I want to say, and there's more that we could say about this, and maybe I'll have another episode about this because I'm just like, oh, there's so much more I want to give you, which I do inside of making your work. So maybe that's why I feel this way. It's like, I just know how much is at my fingertips to just pour into you. And um, this podcast isn't the venue for it necessarily because there's just so many workbooks and uh, examples and questions that we have to really sink our teeth into and just really get into. And that's the venue for it. 
But the last thing that I want to say today is to remember that you are a human. You work in seasons and in energetic flows. And this kind of circles back around to number one, which is to create a sales flow that works with your magic. Um, When you can be aware that play is deeply important, that the creative energy that you pour into your work is absolute magic. There's nothing else that feels like magic like this does in, in my life and in the world, in my opinion. All the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to, the poetry that we read, the the things that make us feel very, very alive, they are magic. And they came to us because somebody invested in play. They invested in inspiration. They invested time and energy into creating, which felt pleasurable in some degree, I have to imagine, because I don't think that there are very many pieces of artwork out in this world of all mediums that weren't pleasurable to create. I think that's just part of the Uh, part of the magic. Of course, they take work. Of course, they take dedication and just doing it, you know, showing up and doing the work. Um, But you are a human. You work on seasonal and energetic flows, just like the moon cycles. You know, we have our moon cycles. We have our seasonal cycles. We have our physical cycles. We have just this very organic thing to us. That is absolutely a part of your creative work as well. So don't become a robot. Don't become a machine. You are someone that is um, very in touch with the natural world, whether you're very aware of it or not, you are part of it. And your creativity by nature is also a part of it. And as I said earlier, there's a delicate balance that most artists need to find between creative freedom and emotional safety which includes the ability to play, which includes the ability to find financial security, which includes the ability to work within your energetic push and pull as someone that is deeply attuned to inspiration and the way that we all flow through this natural world and into the output. And, you know, tipping a little bit more into that ego and that output centered mind you can create things and you can let them be big and beautiful in the world and you can let them be seen and appreciated and valued and purchased, but it's all part of a flow. So remember that you are a human, you work on seasons, you work in seasons and in energetic flows. And I can't wait to see what you create when you find this harmony and this sustainable ebb and flow and um, push and pull between play and sustainability play and sustainability. And I think it's so, I like these two words together because play feels so adventurous and like carefree and light and sustainability feels so grounded and nurturing and reassuring. And when you can have them both, nothing can stop you. It's very exciting to me. Okay, let's pause this conversation. Again, if you would like more, I highly recommend that you join Making Art Work when it opens in August. It opens once a year. It's something that I do because I love the creative community. I love giving you exactly what you need to grow your business and to see this thing um, grow as big and as beautiful and as complex as you want it to grow. And and making it so much uh, attuned to your vision and to your interests and to your creative work. Uh, It's just deeply powerful and exciting to me. 
Before we end today, I would like to read a poem that has mattered so much to me and maybe to you as well. Um, it's by Mary Oliver. It's called Wild Geese. If you're familiar with this poem, then you know, you know how, oh, it's so good. It's so, so good. This poem kind of changed my whole life, actually, so no big deal. I'm just going to read it without crying. I got this. Here we go. Mary Oliver's poem, Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of rain are moving across the landscape, over the prairies and through the trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clear blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. I have nothing to say after that at all. <laughs> I love that poem. Uh, you do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. That's the energy we need to bring to our whole lives, including our creative work, including our creative businesses in some capacity. And I think when we let that mentality bleed into the mundane things as well as the big, you know, life-changing things. There's something powerful that happens when you realize, when you internalize the fact that you do not have to be good. You already are. You already are. You are of the earth. You are of nature. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. It changes everything. Absolutely everything. This poem completely changed my life and I hope that it will also sink into your mind and into your heart and um, do some good there. Okay, tune back in in two weeks. We'll talk about more creativity, more sustainability, more growing a business that looks so beautiful and aligned with you and your passions. Making Artwork opens in just about a month, so set your calendars. It's a nine-week course, so plan on devoting a little bit of energy to this course throughout the fall. Back to school is happening soon. We will all have some space. If you have children, you will have some space soon. I promise you. <laughs> My kids are out of school, so, you know, I feel you. Um, I'm excited to dive into this with you and to really just give this community that, that is in this course uh, all the goodness and love and support and practical, concrete advice that I possibly can. It's going to be amazing. Before that, though, I have three things to ask of you. Number one... Go over to my Instagram account and like the beautiful video that is accompanying this podcast episode. It's beautiful and vibey, and there are other videos for you to watch there if you want some visual joy and pleasure. You can watch me create. You can watch me play. I think it's very fun. Number two, if you could please rate and review. That's number three. So rate number one 
or hold on, number number two, I can count. Rate number two and review is number three of my three requests. That would mean a lot to me. I love reading your reviews. Last week, I think two people left me reviews and they were so encouraging. And I just felt like people listen to this podcast. I'm sitting alone in my house, just talking and talking and talking. So getting some feedback from you just feels like I'm not alone in my house talking and that maybe it's mattering to you in some capacity. So I would love to hear from you. You can send me a DM. um, You can send me a review here. It just means a lot to me to feel like we have a little community building here and it's very, very special. So rate and review and yeah, find me on Instagram at Emily underscore Jeffords. All right. Be back here in two weeks. Bye for now.